Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. I want to take a moment this morning to introduce you to one of the most kind, loving, wonderful, spectacular, beautiful people that I have ever had the privilege of in my life knowing. That would be my lovely wife, Amy, Pastor Amy, as we know her here at Generations Church. She's going to come and share this morning in our series, Take your, Get Your Life Back. And she's a pro at this. I just want you to know. She is, she is well-credentialed as a wife of me. That was enough to get a doctorate. Uh, but, but also a mother to four children who all have my DNA and thereby uh, need great organizational help in life for the most part to get through. So without any more ado, uh, would you please welcome Pastor Amy. She comes to share this morning. Thank you. Did you buy something? Possibly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We talk about those things now. I used to fight about them. Can you relate? <laughs> Oh, good morning. Yeah, we're in our series, Life to the Full, and talking about taking our life back. This morning, I want to talk to you about sacred spaces. Sacred meaning dedicated or set apart for the service of worship, reserved to inspire awe or reverence. And so I have a couple questions to ask you today. Um, Do you have time in your day that is set apart and reserved for worship or to inspire awe and reverence. Maybe we're actually not going to say, do you have time, but do you take time? Not just do you make time, but do you take time? A couple of years ago, I was on the verge of a personal breakdown that apparently still causes me some feelings as I talk about it. And so I'm realizing I wasn't just on the verge of a breakdown, I was probably in the middle of one. And I was having a breakdown, I was exhausted, and I felt helpless. I was emotional in ways that I normally wouldn't be. I could not handle change. I could not make decisions. As as you've heard me say before, there's times in my life where If you ask me what's for dinner, and I don't know, I might cry. That's the kind of place I was in. Like, don't ask me to make another decision. I I just can't. I was depleted, and the reality was I was not enjoying life. In my brain, in my mind, I could recognize that I had a wonderful family. I had wonderful friends. I had the things that I needed. Nothing made sense that I wasn't enjoying life. I had a great church, a good job. Everything should be good, but it wasn't. And at the end of the day, I just had this realization of like, I don't like my life. I'm not enjoying this. I had this desire to sit with my kids and bring them close, and I I couldn't. We just didn't have the margin. I had this desire to just be to linger more in the presence of God, to have time to go outside. I couldn't. In John 10, verse 10, the Bible says, Jesus came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. He came so that we can enjoy life, life to the full, life in abundance, till it overflows. 
And that was not what I was experiencing. And I knew Jesus, had a relationship with him, but life was not enjoyable. I was spent. I was done. And I I knew I wasn't my best. I knew I wasn't functioning, you know, at my best. I just didn't know how to change it. And I was so tired and unable to be the kind of mom that I wanted to be, the kind of wife that I wanted to be, I always felt like I wasn't giving enough or my best. Things like cooking a meal, it should be enjoyable. It should be something that we can savor and enjoy and and be creative. That is not how I was feeling. It was another task that I had to make sure I took care of the night before because I was going to be gone all day. And if I didn't have the right groceries or the right plan, we weren't going to eat anything but junk food. Um, I didn't enjoy any of that. Most of the days I was so filled with stress. And this was mostly because we had moved to the farm and I was still driving my kids back and forth to school every day. (laughs) And so it just made it so that I had to be on top of everything. And uh, I would forget my lunch at home, be in town for all day because I couldn't afford to drive home every day back and forth four times. I would forget my computer, the thing I needed. I was late for weird things. I was missing birthday parties for my kids by a day or a week, showing up too early. Kids would, you know, come to a party and, oh, that already happened. Sorry, it's another one of my failures right now. I cried a lot. I would go to bed at night just feeling like my soul was dying. And it would be through tears and through prayer and through conversation with Travis. And trust me, he didn't know what to do. Like, just get over it. I don't know what's wrong with you. This isn't like you. Uh, But I would say, like, I feel like I'm failing. I'm failing at everything. I, I just constantly feel like I'm failing. I'm not enjoying life. There has to be more to life than just cooking and cleaning and taking care of these these chores and responsibilities. And I just feel like I can't keep up with my life. I long for time at home. I'm longing for downtime. I'm not getting it. I just kind of wanted to get away. And, and I didn't know what to do with this overwhelming sense of feeling overwhelmed. And if you looked at our life, we had made some really good adjustments. Our kids weren't in 25 things. We cut out music lessons. Maybe each kid had an activity one season out of the year. Things looked okay, but I wasn't thriving. My soul was not well. I was paying the price, and the pace of life, though it was slower than many people's, was sucking the life out of me. It was sucking the life out of me. And so today, as I talk to you about sacred spaces, you might not identify with my exact details or situation, but I do believe that as we talk, the Holy Spirit can speak to you. And as we ask questions, there's probably areas in your life that maybe you might want to carve out or make a change, make sacred spaces so that your soul can be well. And so I'm learning to cherish some things, some moments, and I'm still learning to practice some of them. So I'm not going to put these Bible verses up on the screen, but as I read them, I want you just to kind of picture 
the point of what I'm saying. Just kind of picture when I'm reading about Jesus in the Gospels, one thing that we can notice is he wasn't in a hurry. He wasn't in a hurry. And something Pastor Travis says, maybe you've heard him say it to you. He's often said it to me like, Jesus wasn't in a panic. I'm not going to rush. We don't see that Jesus panicked or rushed. And so when Jesus walked the earth, there were people around him that were sick and dying. And he didn't heal all of them. You think about that. People still died when Jesus walked the earth. He didn't rush around trying to fix and heal everyone. Why do we think that we can? Why do we think that we can go about life at this pace, rushing and panicking? In the Gospels, there's different accounts from people who walked with Jesus, and I think there's these important lessons that we can watch how Jesus did life. So Jesus, he would go about teaching, be at the synagogue. In Luke chapter 4, verse 42, it says, When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place. Jesus left and got alone. Luke chapter 4, verse 38, he's at the synagogue, says he left, and he went to Simon Peter's house. He got alone. He got with people that were close with him. Lots of work still to do. By sunset that night, he's casting out demons and healing sickness. But he went to Simon Peter's house. They probably ate there. His mother-in-law was healed and she served them. She began to wait on them. That's not rushing. That's slow. Luke chapter 5 15, news is spreading about Jesus, and the crowds are gathering to hear him. In verse 16, it says, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. He'd slip away. When's the last time that you slipped away to be alone? People needed Jesus, but he would slip away. In verses 6 to 11, there's a man with a withered hand that comes and and the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, they're, they're just filled with rage because Jesus heals them, him. Have you ever done something good and people are still ragey at you? He does something good. We do something good and we're still not going to please everybody. They're mad. Maybe your boss or your parents is a little, they're a little ragey. What does Jesus do? Well, it's at this time that he went to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. So he goes away to the mountains. And then when he comes back, it's at this time that he chose the 12 disciples. Called his disciples and chose 12 of them to follow. And so if you have big decisions to make, maybe you have team building or, or you have to figure out how to grow your company or how to make a decision, what's next for you? Go to the mountains. Get alone. Take time to pray. Get alone with God. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. One of those days. Have you ever had one of those days? Jesus, Jesus is having one of those days, maybe. Maybe I can stretch it like that. Doing all his regular good things, taking care of people, healing people. And Jesus and his disciples got into a boat and he said, let's go to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. 
You know, sometimes you just need to go to the lake. You might just need to go ice fishing on the weekend. Not Sunday, not during church, you guys. Saturday or after church. <laughs> You're here, you know that. You might just need to go to the lake. Maybe you need some people with you. You just have to keep six feet apart. <laughs> Luke 9, verse 10. When the apostles returned, they give an account of what they'd done. Taking them with him, he withdrew by himself. He's often taking people that are close with him. Still takes alone time. He took along Peter, John, and James in Luke chapter 9, verse 28, and he went up to the mountain to pray. Jesus is praying, and they're sleeping. So we can see that praying and sleeping is good for the soul. Even Jesus would get away for that. We need that to be restored and refreshed. In verse 37, the next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. You need that time away to be restored and refreshed because there's always going to be things pulling on you. There's going to be people that need you. You're doing yourself a favor. You're doing them a favor by getting away. That's good for your soul to take some time. People were always needing something from Jesus. So we need to be operating at a pace that allows for those times. Alone time. We need to take time away from people, away from the noise, a pace that allows for some time alone where you can actually be alone with your own thoughts. I know it sounds pretty simple, but I actually had to start scheduling that in to my calendar. It says, Amy, thinking time, alone. Have you ever done that? Because if I don't do that, I actually might not take alone time. Homeschool, I have teenagers, I have responsibilities, have a husband who loves my attention. <laughs> so I have to take that time. I have to make it a priority. And I know I'm not the only one that's experienced not having alone time, especially if you have little kids at home. Not only do you want time alone to think, but you want time alone to go to the bathroom. Come on now. And if you're a dad, maybe you can just give your wife a, a, a few minutes of alone time. She can be alone with her thoughts. It'll pay off for you. She doesn't just want to go to the bathroom or have a shower, okay? She wants to think. We need to take time away. And so we can see that pattern in the Bible. Patterns of, of Jesus with the disciples. And they didn't just magically get somewhere. They had to walk somewhere. Time would pass. Imagine the eating and the drinking and the visiting, the leisurely dining together, eating meals. What kind of conversations what kind of silence just getting to be with Jesus? There would be time to just be. That's why some of your best memories are while you're on vacation. Because you have time to just be. We're not meant to go about life at the pace we're doing it. Opening your eyes and and checking emails and all of your responsibilities and running to the next place. We're meant to create space where our soul can just be. So I want to ask you this morning, not just 
Do you have time? Not just do you make time, but do you take time? Do you take time away alone so you can be alone with your thoughts? Do you take time away to pray? Do you take time to just be with Jesus? To just be with people? You think about the disciples, it's in these moments that the disciples got to have Jesus all to themselves. And if you can go with me on this thought, what if it, it was in those moments, those moments of transition, those moments of a slower pace, what if it was those moments that Jesus got to be with them? They get to be with Jesus, but, but what if he got to be with them? And what if instead of just rushing from one thing to the next, we took a moment before we moved on? How many times do we hang up the phone and just pause? We usually just move on to the next task, you know, the next responsibility. Do you ever just pause and breathe before you move on to the next task? Maybe you take a moment and pray for the person you were speaking with or just pause. Just be. We can find these moments in transitions. We can find these moments in our starts and stops. You know, it's a real discipline in the morning when your alarm goes off not to let your thumb go to that app that always calls your name. Maybe it's your email and you find out everything you need to do in the day. Maybe it's your social media and you just really have to catch up on what happened in the last eight hours while you were sleeping because that is a big deal. You know, it's often the first thing that people do. What if we opened our eyes, something I've been doing for a number of years, and just breathed? Hey, God, it's me. Good morning. I acknowledge that you're here. I give you my worries. I give you the people that are on my mind. I give them to you. I want to acknowledge your presence today as I go about my day. And I pause. And that can be really dangerous if you pause with your eyes closed. You might want to set a second alarm just in case while you're talking to God you fall asleep, but it's okay. He's okay with it. It's a lot easier if you get on your knees. I love to do that first Sometimes you got to rush to the washroom or sometimes you don't want to do that while you're, someone's in your room. It feels awkward, so you lay in bed. Set a second alarm. Slowing down. Pausing. And so we have these moments that we can add in and create these sacred spaces. Maybe as you go to leave from work or as you arrive into the driveway or, or into the garage, you just take a moment decompress, breathe, time to be alone with your thoughts. It can be very depleting to just rush. So I want to ask you another question. Do you have time, do you take time that's unplugged? Do you take time that's unplugged? So think about all the multitasking that we've added into, your, into our lives. So you know, largely since the addition of smartphones, we're just so amazing at getting so much more done. They were meant to make our life easier, but haven't they just added more? We can accomplish more, do more, we're responsible for more. 
squeezing in a phone call while we're driving or between our appointments, any space of time, we're not going to waste it. Red light, check your email. When's the last time you sat at a train without touching your phone? Seriously. You ever look around you? Take a moment to just think or be? Texting, phone calls, social media, we always have to be on. And we're addicted to the to the serotonin, the adrenaline that comes, the rush that comes with those alerts and that information that's coming at us. There's this assault on our attention. All of the notifications competing for our attention. There's nothing like, you know, having a great good night with your child and love you, see you in the morning, and power school dings on your phone. And you find this notification that says, assignment not handed in, or a low grade. And so all of a sudden it's like, good night, what is this? Why are you not handing in your assignment? Those notifications can change our course. Maybe we need to shut them off. Choose to look when we're ready to have that come in. Maybe we need to put our devices aside and pick them up at the appropriate time. I'd love to introduce you to the Do Not Disturb feature if you don't know about it. It's pretty great. You can just turn it on and you can have a chunk of time where your notifications, your texts, and your phone calls won't bug you. And I know that you'll say you need your children to be able to get a hold of you, and don't worry, they've thought of that. You can allow certain phone numbers to get through. But it's pretty glorious when you set aside some time, maybe for thinking or maybe for a task, and you just don't have to be disturbed. Or you shut it off, whatever works for you. My boys have phones, and we set their screen time um, off at night, so it turns off at 9. They can't access their text or their email, and they aren't able to do it until whatever time I set for the morning. And they don't like it because, well, right now what, they have a job and their job emails them their shifts. And so Logan and I were in this conversation. He really needs his screen time to be eliminated because what if work had to get a hold of him at 9 to 10 p.m. or whatever it is? Like, who cares? They want to email you at 9 o'clock. That's inappropriate. They'll call you if they really need you in the morning. That doesn't make me want to give you screen time in the middle of the night. And studies show that teenagers especially, but even us adults, our subconscious is listening to the sound of notifications from games. I guarantee you, if your child has a phone in their room, they've received a text in the middle of the night, and you might not even know about it. I'll be shocked if, they, if that's never happened. Because their friends need them. And that's the other thing my boys say, well, what if my friend needs me? Then you need a good night rest so you can help your friend. I'm not going to give you screen time all night long for that. I want you healthy. But we're adults, so we have to set our own screen time, make our own decisions. Creating unplugged spaces can restore our soul. I like to scroll social media usually while I'm relaxing. It's probably a bad habit. 10 o'clock at night, 
all of a sudden I've got political drama in my brain. I have information I never wanted. I'm not in charge of what's coming in. I'm not in charge of what I'm reading when I'm scrolling social media. And so one time it's 10 o'clock and I receive the news that a good friend of ours has a daughter with a very rare brain tumor. And I burst into tears and I can't sleep. I was not prepared. My soul was not prepared for that kind of information. I'm not protecting my heart and my soul because I'm not in charge of what's coming in. My next question is, do you make time to get outside? How important is it to our soul to make time, to take time to get outside? Studies show that 93% of Americans spend their life indoors. So I thought, well, wh oh, what about Canadians? Like, is there even a statistic on that? Yeah, 94% of our time. Okay, so even if we say 93%, if you live to be 100, you've lived 93, 94 years in a compartment? behind glass, a windshield, that includes driving time, in your office, in your home, in your vehicle, only six of those years are outside, including your childhood? How is that? No wonder our soul is dying for more. No wonder we're feeling like we're not thriving. Research tells us all the time, we need to get outside. We're happier when we're outside. We're healthier, we're better people when we're outside. We need to do it. We're indoors so much. Our soul needs to get outside. Your kids need to get outside. So when was the last time you stood there letting snowflakes fall on your eyelashes? When's the last time you looked at a snowflake in all of its beauty? When did you head outside because the sunrise was so breathtaking? You just needed to see it in all its fullness. The sunset, the smell of pine trees. In June, walking along the paths at our campsite, the smell of roses. Wild roses, there's just, you can't experience that the same on your screen. I'd be walking with my little nephew down the path and he'd just say, stop. We just stop. Sometimes we have to stop and smell the roses. Do you smell that? We need to tell our soul to do those things. Get outside because God is out there. Psalm chapter 97 verse 6 says, the heavens declare his righteousness. And all the people have seen his glory. You are far more likely to find God walking around a lake or through a trail. Ephesians 4, God filled the earth with himself. In Psalm chapter 23, David is celebrating the restoration of his soul. It's not just a funeral chapter. The Lord's my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Nature is healing. 
The beauty of the outdoors is healing. It restores our soul. Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. John Eldridge in his book, if you've been listening or reading to it, he really has this method that I think is beautiful just to stop and pause when you see beauty. You see a rainbow. I've done it. It's amazing. He says, thank you for this beauty. I receive it into my soul. It's life-changing to slow down, to see it, to experience it. Next time you see something beautiful, pause and receive it. Because restoration is so much better than relief. It's so much better than the things we turn to. And we can't get to the mountains or the ocean or the lake. We can't go fishing whenever we want. But there's probably something you could do outside. If you stood on your front deck or put a fire in your backyard or went for a walk on a trail near your house or even drove yourself to somewhere that you could be outside near your house to touch nature, to engage with nature and experience God's beauty. Because technology is draining and nature is healing. So we need to reduce one and increase the other. But it's kind of hard because it takes a choice. Like it might be too cold out. Well, put on your snow gear. It, it takes a little more effort and we're maybe so tired we don't want to. But if we know how good it is, let's just do it. Because the artificial can wear us down and nature can bring us into the presence of God. But it takes a choice. And right now we're living so braced. It's so exhausting. We're just braced, not knowing what's going to happen. We need to pause and receive beauty. We need to get outside and breathe. So take our life back. God wants to fill your tank. He doesn't want you operating depleted. He wants to fill you so you can pour out, continually be filled, continually pour out. He wants you to enjoy life more than just getting through the day. So if you're feeling frenzied or depleted, I want to ask, get you to ask yourself the questions I brought up today. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you. So why don't you stand? And Holy Spirit, pray that you would speak to each one of us. What do you want us to take away from this message? What do you want us to do with what we've heard today? Pray that you would speak to us. And in the stillness and in the quietness, let God minister to your heart this morning. Let him pour into you. And let him speak to you. Do you take time alone? Do you take time with Jesus? If you don't know Jesus and you're searching for God, I encourage you to make space in your day and your life to find him. He wants a relationship with you, but we've filled up our life with so much noise and so much busyness that we're not hearing him call. 
You can do that this morning. You can make him the boss of your life. You can begin a relationship with him. Do you take time with Jesus? Do you take time unplugged? Do you give your kids the gift of time unplugged? Detached from technology. Do you take time outside? You know the answer to those questions and I just believe that there's steps we can take and things we can do to allow our soul to be restored, to be healthy. We can create spaces in our life and in our day. We can take time for our soul. So Lord, I pray for each person that's here. God, I pray that their soul would be refreshed, would be restored, would be made healthy. Help us to value ourselves. Help us to take time for these things that are so important. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.